Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. ECB Chief Mario Draghi this week surprised the markets by suggesting that the central bank could introduce more stimulus. His remarks at an ECB forum in Sintra, Portugal, also caused a furious reaction from Donald Trump. Katie Martin discusses the US President's surprise intervention and the remarks that prompted this with Claire Jones and Chris Giles. So we've had quite the collision of ideas in big monetary policy and big politics recently. Let's start at something approaching the beginning. Claire, the European Central Bank has been struggling to get its message across recently. What's the latest? Mario Draghi in Sintra tried to give the impression that the ECB would act should the global economy worsen as long as things didn't pick up the ECB would act and there'd be another big bazooka, possibly a restart of the quantitative easing programme, possibly more rate cuts, possibly a strengthening of the message that they're due to keep monetary policy exceptionally loose into 2020 and beyond. We don't know the exact specifics of it yet, but what we did get was a very clear signal of intent and The signal was clear enough for markets to react. So we saw the euro edge lower. We saw government borrowing costs across the eurozone edge lower. And we saw equities rise. And that's where the president of the US came in. Mario Draghi is known for his deft turns of phrase and for being quite subtle, but getting his message across. It looks like the markets have really stood up and listened this time. So do you think the ECB will be happier now that people are taking it on board? I think, yeah, I think the ECB and people close to Mario Draghi on the governing council were very pleased with just how the message got across and that markets were seeming to listen. However, we've had a sense that other governors on the Monetary Policy Council, the governing council at the ECB, who work for the national central banks, are perhaps not as pleased as Mr Draghi that there is this sense that more stimulus is now seen as more or less a done deal. Mm. Now, that links us through to the next thing I was going to ask, really, which is that obviously Mario Draghi is on his way out. He leaves his post in October. If he does go through with this plan that he's outlined, that kind of ties the hands for his successor, right? Now, to play devil's advocate, is that appropriate? Because... He's going to make it very difficult for his successor to follow any other course of action. I think it is a good point. I mean, what Draghi looks set to do is announce policies that will run way past the end of his term. Now, we already have forward guidance on interest rates where the message is that rates are going to remain on hold at least until the middle of next year. So the hands of the successor are already tied. You've also got a sense in which if there is more QE or there's more rate cuts, then the successor's hands are tied to an even greater degree because the QE programme will not be announced month on month. You'd probably get an announcement for, say, the next six months, the next nine months, and the next 12 months. So that is a legitimate question to ask. However, what Draghi would probably argue in return is that the ECB and central banks in general need to make markets aware of how they'll react to things, the so-called reaction function, and really lay out how they're going to respond to events. 
And a big part of that has been to issue forward guidance and issue, you know, QE programs that run to a certain point in the future. And whether or not that coincides with the end of someone's term, central bankers might not say that matters. What central bankers will say matters is doing enough for a sufficient length of time to bring inflation back to target and to combat any downturn in global growth. Mm. Now, you can imagine if the ECB had a really hard money uber hawk at the helm and was taking a similar move to tie the hands of any successor that they might have, then the reaction would be somewhat different. But as if this was not all drama enough, enter stage right one Donald J. Trump. He leapt into this debate by tweeting that it was unfair of Mario D, as he described him, to be weakening the euro. This is giving the eurozone an unfair advantage in trade with the US. I mean, Chris, the world doesn't work like this, right? US presidents don't normally do this. This breaks every unwritten rule there is about how central banking works, right? US presidents, of course, can say whatever they like, but they don't. Generally, they don't for quite a good reason, which is that they have delegated the authority to the Federal Reserve. Actually, it's in law in the US, but in most countries, there's a delegated authority to a central bank to try to regulate the ups and downs of the economy on the understanding and the historical knowledge that politicians have often been rather bad at that in the past because they've always wanted to create boom conditions, which in the end turn to bust. And this is why you often give a target to a central bank so that the politicians say what the central bank should be trying to achieve, although in the US and in the Eurozone, actually the central banks have a lot of leeway to determine that themselves. But a price stability mandate and a financial stability mandate, and then you say you go off and you choose the policy to achieve those mandates, and we will give you the delegated authority. Of course, we can take it away because we are the politicians, we're the elected people, but that is the idea behind it. So to have a president of the US step in and not only comment on his own country's central bank, but slightly jealously comment on another country's central bank and say, essentially with a massive hint, wouldn't it be good if our central bank did the same thing so that we'd be competing on currencies? This is not just a little bit unusual. I haven't ever seen anything like this. We know back in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan occasionally put pressure on Paul Volcker to try and change US monetary policy. It's a good job Twitter didn't exist, right? It's a very good, although it was done very secretly. It's only come out in Volcker memoirs many, many years later. And I'm quite sure some of these conversations happen quite regularly behind the scenes where politicians will ask, maybe try to arm twist a little bit a central banker. And maybe with some success and maybe with other success, we, we won't know about it. But to go public and say that another country or another jurisdiction central bank is doing policy which is, quotes, unfair, is just unprecedented and extraordinary. So, Claire, you were in the room with the uh, European Central Bank crew at the time. How did this go down? I know the uh, head of media relations for the ECB tweeted it was either gosh or wow, which I thought was quite diplomatic. Was gosh a fair summary? I think he then used it as a plug for the policy panel a few hours later when Draghi was on stage with uh, former Fed Vice Chair Stan Fisher and Mark Carney too. Of course, it commanded a lot of attention. I mean, the event was to mark 20 years of central banking. And I think when the ECB was founded, the idea that you'd have Donald Trump as president of the US and Donald Trump would be tweeting about 
European monetary policy. I don't think anyone would have predicted that. So there's a lot of shock. And I think people thought it was quite humorous that he was referred to as Mario D. That raised a few giggles. But I think in all seriousness, people here are very, very concerned about Trump and about the rhetoric on global trade. I do think it is a big worry and also the attacks on central bank independence, not only in terms of the comments to Mario Draghi, but also the pressure that the US Federal Reserve is under. Later on in the day when there was the policy panel, another story broke where it seemed to be the case that the White House had been looking at demoting Jerome Powell. The Fed chair. Exactly. So I think people underneath it all are very concerned. It's really quite surprising, actually, because we've had occasions in the reasonably recent past where people have looked at the Fed policy and said this is having spillover effects to our economy, particularly Raghu Rajan when he was governor of the Reserve Bank of India saying maybe the Fed should take more account of the effect it has on other countries. And the Fed just sort of scoffed and everyone in America scoffed and said, don't be so absolutely ridiculous. And so it's something when the president of the US essentially makes exactly the same criticism of another central bank. In some ways, it shows the diminished nature slightly of the US in the global economy. The idea is that you have your own central bank and they make policy for your domestic conditions. It might have an effect on the exchange rate, but that's not the purpose. And Mario Draghi was very clear in Claire's panel. She chaired that that's exactly what they're doing. Any monetary policy hints he might have given of guidance was not about the exchange rate. It was about trying to get the right amount of demand to regulate the European economy and whatever the spillovers are for other countries to deal with. And Of course, the US can deal with those itself. It's easily big enough. And there's some kind of cute irony here as well in that the whole reason that Mario Draghi, who we will now refer to as Mario D in all conversations, the reason that he took the steps that he's taken is he says that, you know, the darkening outlook on global trade is a big input into a darkening outlook for the global economy. Therefore, I have to take the following action. And then he is accused by Donald Trump of manipulating his currency. I mean, it's kind of bizarro world, right? Yeah, so we're into actions and reactions and spillovers. And these things are dangerous, actually. It's always the sort of language of conflict around the place rather than cooperation. And that is not the environment in which companies want to make big investments, particularly if they have cross-border impacts, because you just don't know whether those investments are going to be worthless a few months down the road. And this is really what the concern is. So now central banks are trying to do a little bit more stimulus domestically to replace some of that other investment or the animal spirits, the confidence that might have existed, which seems to be ebbing away a little bit. I mean, the data hasn't been terrible so far, but it has been very bad in global trade and it hasn't Mm. been good in manufacturing around the world, which is still a lot of the trade. Most of the trade is still goods rather than services. And so this is why there is concern and there's concern that the trade tensions are simply not going away. Even if there was at the end of this month, some sort of outline agreement between Trump and President Xi of China, no one thinks that this would be the end of trade tensions because we just saw only a week or so ago Donald Trump used tariff threats against Mexico on an immigration issue. So it's clear that tariffs and trade barriers are now part of the sort of normal currency of international discussions and people are very worried about it. And also monetary policy, right? I mean, it's almost like the target for what Trump was saying about the ECB is really the Fed. 
And as you say, this sort of interference can have real economy effects. I mean, how worried are policymakers about the sort of interference in the Fed's business that Claire was just talking about? Well, I think they're very worried about it. If you listen to Stan Fisher, who was the former vice chair of the Fed on the panel, he said, you know, is it utterly inappropriate for a US president to go down this sort of route? I mean, sometimes you can get with central bankers a sense that they're slightly too protective of independence. And of course, the independence is only lent to them. It's not theirs by right. And if they mess up, then it'd be absolutely right for politicians to take it back off them. And ultimately, you know, politicians are responsible for the economy. But as I said right at the start, the reason politicians have delegated authority for monetary policy is that in the past they screwed it up themselves and were always wanting to pump things up. But this is the story of the 70s. And therefore, you've got inflation and you've got boom and bust. And this is how it's trying to be better with central bankers. Now, this is not to say central banks have necessarily made a cracking job of it themselves. And one of the worrying things about Donald Trump is he might actually be right about US monetary policy, that maybe it should be looser than it is. But it's actually making it harder for the Fed to do that in some sense, because they look as if they're just kowtowing to their political master rather than taking a decision on the evidence as it faces them. It's a whole new world. Thanks both very much. That was Katie Martin talking to Claire Jones, our Frankfurt Bureau Chief, and Chris Giles, our Economics Editor. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on Philip Green's crumbling fashion empire, Facebook's digital currency venture, or KKR's buyout offer for German media company Axel Springer, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.